instead, friends, of our typical rhythm that happens right now, uh, our younger, younger friends are actually going to stay with us for the next few minutes. Um, and because I am told by some of our younger friends that I am, quote, very boring, I'm not alone this morning up here. Uh, so if, uh, if you're relatively new, um, Judah, could I have my Bible too? I'm leaving all sorts of things. Thanks, bud. Uh, if you're relatively new, this is Bethany. Uh, she is our Kids Life Director. She's also my wife. Uh, and so we uh, have fun wearing multiple hats uh, in this whole, uh, this whole experience of, of uh, leading life path. But, um, but we're going to talk for a short period of time today, uh, and we've only got two weeks left in this conversation of, of what we're calling culture creators, where we look at what it means to create a unique culture. And uh, the reflection that we're talking about this morning happens to be linked directly with what we're doing in just a couple minutes out in the lobby. So uh, that's why everything's all mixed up and fun this morning. All right? Sweet. Okay. So uh, I probably don't have to remind too many of you that uh, one of the biggest cultural moments that's happening right now is uh, the Olympic Games, or at least they just concluded, apparently, at like 2 a.m. this morning or 6 a.m. this morning or something like that. But, uh, but uh, we, we were traveling for quite a bit. I'm sure you'll hear in the coming weeks a little bit about, uh, about our trip to the other side of the continent. Um, but, uh, but we were traveling, so we didn't get a chance to, to tune in that much to what was happening with the games, but we got some recaps and stuff, and it's been fun. And, uh, and one of the most unique things about the Olympic Games is it's the only kind of sporting event outside of, of a couple of, of lesser-known ones that, that the athletes, they, they come, and one of the greatest honors and one of the most fun things to watch is people who represent your country. And even though I am... Uh, unashamedly willing to be critical of some of the things about our country and how we, how we sometimes uh, express our cultural identity. Uh, I also do love cheering on um, our American athletes and, and, and seeing them from all these different walks of life doing, doing these incredible things. Uh, but there's been a flip side that we've become aware of that's always existed, but this games has brought to the forefront, and that is that uh, representing like that can bring crippling anxiety to people because the expectations are often so high that fear and, um, and pressure can actually destroy the beauty of the moment. And so as I was thinking about that, it seemed like a helpful metaphor for what we are talking about this week just a little bit, because uh, we've been going through all of these different uh, things in, in which as we follow Jesus, we become, uh, we become creators of unique cultures that, that change who we are as a church, and how we relate to the world. And so we've talked about all the things that you see up first, about what it means to take initiative, about what it means to care for things that go on after you're gone, what it means to be both bold and humble in our faith, what it means um, to share the journey with others, to be constantly transforming, to look and redeem the good in the world instead of just being critical, um, to be at rest, to learn how to play. All of these things that Jesus gives us as gifts. And today, we're going to take a look at what it means to be, we're going to call it right now, ambassadors. Um, and so, so because in the kingdom of God, there are all these similarities between maybe what we might say the Olympic athletes and, uh, and disciples of Jesus, just without all of the uh, impressive athletic feats. So um, in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, Paul uses this word ambassadors, and he calls, he calls the church in Corinth, which is intended to be more universal, um, he's not talking about just them, just that group of 
40 or whatever. And isn't it funny to think that um, most churches in the New Testament that we have were smaller than us right now? So take a look around and realize that most of the letters that Paul wrote, maybe with the exception of Rome, well, yeah, we won't get into that. We're smaller than life path, right? Just a little tidbit to remind us that we're not insignificant. But anyways, uh, here's what he says. He says, therefore, we're Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. God were communicating through us to people, drawing other people to himself. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is the message um, that, that Paul is giving. But really, kids, how many of you have heard the word ambassadors before? Like, that's a, some of you have, good. But I bet some of you haven't, and that's a big word. And we're not going to spend time learning a new word today. So we looked up the message version because it might be a more familiar word for you. This is how the message phrases that exact same verse. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now when we say, become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. So as Christ representatives, that word might be a little bit more familiar, we get to represent Christ in the world, to the world. Um, how many of you have ever noticed, can't grab it, Sorry. wait, I need that paper, this sign hanging on your way in or your way out of this building, ready? I'm covering the bottom. This is hanging on our door, and you see it every single week you're here on your way in and your way out. Does anyone remember what it says on the bottom. Can anyone tell me? Ooh, Emily. I'm going to call on Emily, not Melanie. Emily, what do you think it says? Do you remember? Well done. Word for word. Life Path Church <laughs> walks out these doors every week to love our neighbors. If we're going to win anything at marketing, that's the phrase I want us to, to get right. Oops. You know, we don't talk about that very often. Um, why, here, here's the question. Why do you think the first words that we want you to read when you walk in to our gathering are about what happens when you go out? The first words that we want everybody to see when they come into our gathering is about what happens when we go out. Because we have defined church. Yes, go ahead. I love that. It wasn't intended to be a like, responsive question, but now, now I want to hear now I want to hear what you have to say, Amy. The first isn't about one of the teams, yeah. you and Right. Yes, exactly. And so so the the idea is we have we have over the years we have taken the word church and what it meant in the New Testament and what Jesus meant when he talked about sorry, I don't do well sitting, um, as you all know. But uh, and, and, and and we've turned it into a smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller word. Till it's become either like walls and a roof or like a 90-minute or 60-minute time together. And neither of those things do a good job at all of, of church. We're winging this, so I have no idea. We're both jet-lagged still, so I don't know what she's about to write. Um, but so anyways, so it's really important that we understand as a church that what it means to be the church, we come together like an airport. As, as a church building. That's one, I, I don't know, Tony Campolo, somebody can tell me who, who originally talked about that, uh, or maybe Scott McKnight. But we, the best metaphor is that this is an airport where we come, we come in order to be going somewhere else. 
and there's joy. It's a much more comfortable airport experience, maybe, let's say. Um, with a, we're like one of those lounges. Yes, we're one of like, but that's members only, and I have an issue with that, too. So, okay. Oh, man, metaphors are so difficult when they break down. Uh, so, anyways, the idea is that we come together, but we come together to be encouraged by relationship with one another and by the reminders from the scriptures about who God is, who you are, and how much grace there is there and what the calling is as disciples, so that we can then go out into the world and live like Jesus, be, like Bethany said, representatives of Jesus. This is, and, and, and sometimes, let's be honest, even the best of us with the, you know, who, who think like, I've got, I've got the right mentality, we lose track of that. You know, any of us walk out of this gathering and say, that was a nice church service, and forget that the whole point is what happens as we go out the calling of daily discipleship. And the way we live as Christ representatives, as Christians in this world who bear his name, allows people to see a glimpse of God's kingdom, the kingdom we've been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks, this good kingdom that we've experienced, we get to show and share and create in this world. So, and some people have had some really bad experiences. So sometimes... Being a representative means that you actually get to re-present. That you get to show people new, a new, clearer, truer idea of who God is and what his kingdom is like and what Christ is like. Certainly doesn't mean we get it right all the time. No. But, but it's such a beautiful image, right? So, this idea um, of... of of being sent out, of being representatives, you know, it's, it's throughout the whole New Testament. It, it was originally a part of Jesus. This isn't something that we, that we kind of put on to the storyline. Um, it's central to the Gospels and, and everything else. So in, in Luke 10, we forget that there was a real movement happening. Like, this is not just a small group of a few people. This was, there were thousands of people at one point following Jesus, and then there were hundreds that were actually empowered. Here we get a story of 72 of them. Uh, in Luke 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. There's a couple things that are worth noting in that. Uh, The first thing that I want to note is (laughs) um, they were supposed to go and, and do what exactly? We're told they were supposed to go and proclaim the gospel, proclaim the good news. Here we go again with the small, the small idea of church. What is the gospel exactly? Most of us would really quickly point to the death of Jesus and the resurrection. Totally central to it. However, Jesus hadn't died yet, so it would be super weird if he sent out 72 and they went into towns and be like, this guy Jesus, he, he died because they had no idea that was going to happen. And so the good news was bigger than that. The good news was the, that the kingdom of God was at hand, that the poor were hearing good news, that the blind were receiving sight, that the, the prisoners were being released, okay, in, in the small ways and in the big ways. This was the story that they were telling. They were helping people open their eyes to the goodness of God's kingdom that was available right now and being inaugurated by Jesus, okay? So that's a really, really big deal. The second thing, and this is, I think, helpful for us as we think about what it means to be both representatives but also sent people, is that Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And that's the opposite that we often think of. We all, if, if the harvest means people who are desiring to know Jesus and to step into the ways and the values of the kingdom, Jesus says, listen, folks, 
there's people out there that are longing for the goodness of Jesus. We often think that our job is to go and convince all the unconvinced. That tends to be the Holy Spirit's role. Our job is to identify what, what Jesus calls at other passages, people of peace, and to invite them into life with us, and to invite them into journey with, journeying with Jesus, to help serve and love and care in the kingdom. And so it's, it's just really, really beautiful to be reminded that according to Jesus, the harvest is plentiful. There are so many out there who are looking for the authentic Jesus. Unfortunately, many of them have been turned off by inauthentic views of, of Christ by views of Christ that are highly judgmental, that are very exclusive, that require you to jump through a whole bunch of hoops in order to be a part of the family. And Jesus just doesn't, doesn't do that. He doesn't play those games. Discipleship is a high calling without question, but it's available to anyone and everyone. And so, anyways, that's a, a, a crucial thing. And then, again, this idea of being sent as representatives in John 20, Jesus is, this is post-resurrection Jesus, okay? So this is a glimpse. We saw pre-resurrection Jesus who was sending, and then post-resurrection Jesus is also sending. So Jesus is talking with his disciples, and he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was his, his spirit, Jesus said, or, or there's all these different ways that the, the Gospels talk about it. But it's the gift. So the Father sends the Son, the Son and the Spirit send the disciples. So there's this movement that happens to go out and be Christ's rest, uh, representatives, but we're empowered by the Spirit. We're not doing this thing on our own. Really, really, really important. Um, so, with that said, we can approach this idea of being sent, the idea of representing Jesus as, as his ambassadors, as his representatives, through all sorts of ways in our lives. It's not just going out somewhere new, but it does involve that sometimes. And so, uh, when we see new seasons in our life as sent seasons— then what happens is, uh, is we get to look at it with a redemptive lens, with a lens of purpose, with a, a hopeful attitude. We notice opportunities to love. We notice um, open doors to Jesus that we might not otherwise see. So when there are times of transition in our lives, they are unique opportunities um, for us to understand that Jesus is the one sending us to new places. Not just that we're going somewhere new, but that Jesus is a part of that movement to open new doors for us to be Christ's representatives. Um, and we have someone we're sending today. We have today. someone we're sending today. Kaysen, come on up. Um, and so anyways, uh, yeah, there's a specific way that that's, that that's happening. And we want to, uh, if you don't know Kaysen, most of you probably do. Um, Kaysen, this is her last week with us before she leaves for college in the South. So she's going down to New Orleans for the next few years. Um, and, uh, and so... Now, we want to celebrate and, and send anyone who is in that season of, of heading off to college as it happens. But we have to be honest that Kaysen is special. And the reason that Kaysen is special is that she's actually the first one who has been a part of our Life Path community since childhood. I thought I was going to be better with, at this. Um, <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> yeah, Bethany said in class she doesn't have to do it. And we just want to show you um, some of the glimpses of little Kaysen um, for, from the early years. This was back when we, um, we didn't even, we had just gotten a new church home uh, in a building that has since been knocked down. So we were having a little Halloween walk-by party for, to serve the community after a parade in downtown Newark and inviting them in. Um, here's the day that Kaysen took the step of baptism. Uh, this was probably, I want to say, what, Kaysen, six years ago? Maybe? 
I can't, I, I don't have a, a timestamp. In one of our early locations, here's Kaysen um, giving witness to God's goodness during a story space time of sharing where God's been at work in her life. Uh, she has helped us serve in so many different ways. Here she's making blankets um, for foster families. Uh, in this was actually where we used to meet before this auditorium was built. So this is Aspira. You, you might recognize the blue tables. They made the transition. Um, but uh, but so, so just a little glimpse. And then, of course, she's been a part of our, of our uh, first iteration of a, of a youth group, of a teens group that we've ever had here um, helping to celebrate. Uh, just been a part of spiritual reflective moments as well. Um, and, and so she has experienced uh, so much of, of what of what we are as a church and has contributed to that in so many ways. So just by being present, but also by sharing her heart, by serving, she's, as she got older, she was often just a couple years older than a huge pack of our younger kids in the early years. So Kaysen was always tasked with like, just keep them under control for just a little bit, if you could, Kaysen, just make sure nobody like, you know, loses, you know, an arm or anything like that. And so she probably had to bear more responsibility than a normal, uh, a normal kid in a, in a young church. Um, but, but Kaysen, we love you deeply, and, uh, and we want you to be able to embrace this new season knowing that, that uh, you are, you're being sent by us um, because you're a part of us. And so as a part of Life Path that is, is stepping out, um, that means that, that we believe that you absolutely have the Spirit of Christ with you and that God will open new doors for you to represent Jesus and for you to show radical love and care and compassion to all of the people that you'll meet and the ways that you'll get involved uh, with the work for the kingdom of God um, at Loyola. And so uh, we're, we're just excited about that. And so Bethany is just going to offer a, a prayer for you um, as, a, as a way of sending. And uh, yeah, we're just thankful for who you are. God, I thank you so much for Kaysen. I thank you for the light and the life that she has brought to our church community over the years. I thank you for her heart for you, her um, ability to think deeply, um, to share vulnerably. I thank you for her musical gifts that she has shared with us time and time again. Um, I thank you for her compassionate heart and her desire to... Um, bring your kingdom here on earth, Lord, and I have seen that happen already in her life, and I'm so excited about how you're going to use her in her future as she goes on to college and um, life beyond, and I pray that she would have her eyes open to how you are already at work at Loyola, and that she would be excited to jump in and join in um, with where your spirit is moving, and that um, you would help her to continue to grow in her faith and relationship with you, um, and be, bring light and life wherever she is. In your name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Casey. We love you, girl. Thanks. And we will certainly, we will certainly see you again, Casey, plenty of times, I hope. But here's the thing. Anytime, now that we got the Zoom tech, anytime that you want to just like hop in and share like, hey, here's some areas that I've seen God at work, you know. We would love it. We'll just totally eat it up. So, um, so the door is, is open to that. Uh, here's the thing, though, about uh, a culture of being sent out as representatives of Jesus. Being sent, and this is maybe the most important part of, of this whole idea, being sent is less about location or specific actions, and it is more about our purpose and the heart behind it all, okay? Being sent 
Understanding ourselves as representatives is less about a specific location and more about a way of life that encompasses our heart and the purpose by which we do everything, including taking out the trash in front of your house or going into work um, or relating to a family member. All of these things are encompassed by the idea of, of living as representatives. Um, so every time we look to love our neighbors, any time that we pray or serve, uh, when we encourage, when we act with compassion and humility and integrity, when we share about what Jesus has done in us, when we invite others into our lives and into community, that is all what it means to be sent as ambassadors. It happens all the time if we have the right perspective. And, uh, and when we embrace this perspective, it changes how we live those day-to-day -day lives. So those beautiful big moments of, of life transitions, really, really helpful to see ourselves as sent. But also the day-to-day, -day, more mundane, right-where-we-are moments are the places that Jesus has called us to. So in just a moment, we're going to practice a few hands-on ways to be representatives and ambassadors of Jesus, um, to express God's kingdom of love and compassion in the world. So in just a moment, um, we're going to serve our Aspira community in two different ways. Uh, one, by um, packing our backpacks that you have all done such a wonderful job of helping to sponsor backpacks full of supplies. There are thousands of items out in the, the lobby right now in the cafe. Um, and, uh, and so we have... Uh, gotten all those together, and we're going to pack them so that we can give every incoming kindergartner a backpack uh, at, a, at school in just a couple weeks here that's full of supplies. And by writing cards. Yep. And the second thing that we're going to do is we are going to write cards to all of the Aspira staff, an individualized card to every one of the, of the teachers here. And so we will have both of those things going on at the same time. Uh, like, just a little spoiler, it doesn't take that long with this number of people to fill 110 backpacks at all. So... We'll mobilize plenty of you for card writing to write one or two cards um, each. It doesn't have to be long, um, and we'll have all the names. So in just a moment, we're going to do that. But I, and I know my kids are, oh, yeah. are super concerned because we've been working on these sculptures all summer, and you're probably wondering, what about my sculpture? Because every I was, week, I was wondering. every week, we add an item to help us remember what we talked about, about what's cool in God's kingdom. So this week... Um, we're adding a sunflower, and I know it doesn't make sense to you yet. It's okay. We'll get there. What does a sunflower make you think of? Sorry, Soraya, what does it make you think of? Sunshine. Anything else? What else does a sunflower make you think of? Asher. God's light. Wow, he jumped right there. <laughs> Anyone else? Asher's like been around for a while. The actual sunflower. What's it? When you see a sunflower growing in a field, what do you think of? Savannah. I can't quite hear you, Savannah. It's oh. going to be your birthday in three weeks? Well, happy early birthday. We'll have to celebrate you and sing for you in three weeks. All right, anyone else? What do you think of when you think, when you think of a sunflower? Samuel? It makes you feel happy. It makes me feel happy, too. They always look like they're smiling, don't they? Emily? Following the sun and the light. Yeah, when sunflowers are babies, when they're young, they actually do look towards the sun. Once they get older, they look eastward, which is where the sun rises. So they, there is a following the sun element of young sunflowers for sure. Does anyone else eat sunflower seeds? Yeah, I like sunflower seeds. Yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty healthy for you, sunflower seeds. 
Oh, are you trying to draw a sunflower? That's the worst sunflower I've ever seen. <laughs> it's brutal. <laughs> this is why we don't team teach that often. <laughs> so sunflowers, sunflowers, yeah, they make you think of the sun by their name, by the way they're shaped, by the way they look towards it. Yeah, and they provide nourishment and beauty to in this world, right? So we, like sunflowers, can bring beauty to this world and help to nourish the people around us. And we can point to God's sun with our lives. So we're going to be like little sunflowers and be representatives of God's sun, just like a sunflower is a little representative of the sun, the little ball in the sky. That one. Put Jesus up you there, but you can't, you can't see because see, yes. of the light. It, they're missing an it S. It just is looks missing. like Sue. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's just... All right. So, so while the backpack packing is going on, you can take turns coming over to our hot glue station, and I'll help you glue, hot glue your sunflower onto your sculpture. Okay. All right. Uh, so, um, there's one more element that I wanted to talk about just briefly before we go out, and that is that, um, and that's the second part of what I mentioned with the Olympian thing. Uh, in my opinion, uh, something that is crucial to living as God's representatives is that many of us can feel like this idea of the pressure of living up to the standard of Jesus is, um, is too much. Like, we know we're imperfect, and the idea of, of kind of representing Jesus feels like a whole lot of expectations of, of, uh, of, of bearing a burden that's just kind of impossible. And this is, this is where... Uh, where, like I said with the Olympians, the gift and the beauty of representing your country um, becomes a crushing burden that brings anxiety and that brings fear of failure. So as disciples, what enables us then to uh, live confidently as God's representatives? And the answer is, uh, is simple, and that is um, a deep experience of grace and forgiveness. In, uh, in Isaiah 6, all the way back in the, uh, in the Old Testament, we're not going to get into the story much, but I just want to send this, this, really, this really simple um, overview of, of what happens. And Isaiah's being sent, thanks. Isaiah's being sent out. He's this young, well, he's not being sent yet. He's, he's this young guy, and he has a vision of God, and, and God's people are scattered, and they've lost their way, and they need a prophetic voice to remind them of how they've, um, how they've missed out on what God's heart is, about mistreating the poor, but also um, just just being unfaithful in all sorts of ways, but also forgetting what God's goodness is and what life in the kingdom could look like. And so anyways, he has this vision, and in the midst of this vision, he essentially sees God, okay? And he flips out. And the, the thing that he says when he sees that, he says, woe is me because I am a man of unclean lips and I come from a people of unclean lips. And what that means is I am really imperfect and I can't even be in your presence, God, without kind of feeling like horrible about myself. Like, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what to do here. I just need to get away. And here's what happens. One of the angels of God takes this coal and brings it up, and it sounds, it, sounds, um, it sounds bad at the time, but remember, it was a vision, and it's a metaphor. And he touches this coal to Isaiah's lips. And, it, and, and at this point, it's the idea of the hot, the heat, the fire that is a cleansing fire. And what that does is it takes his sin away. That's what, that's what he's told. It's, it's an act of grace. And God says, listen, I know you're unclean, I know that you've made mistakes, but I want to use you anyways, and I forgive you, and I give you grace. And then, after that moment happens, God asks, so who can I send, who will go for me to be my representative? And Isaiah, the guy cowering in the corner, saying, woe is me, I could never even handle being in your presence, steps up and says, here am I, send me. Okay? 
That's his response. There's a turnaround, and why does the turnaround happen? Not because he's become more capable, but simply because he's experienced the truth of God's grace and forgiveness. And how much more clarity do we have as followers of Jesus who openly offers forgiveness and, um, and speaks a word of grace and himself became the, the go-between of unleashing the love and the grace of God by killing the power of sin and death itself. And so that's what we get to do, all right? And it's just, you know, um, you're not grounded. It's not about being grounded in your own ability, but it's about being grounded in what God has done for us, right? Just like the sunflower needs the sun's rays to grow, and it doesn't just do it on its own, but it receives that sunlight and then is able to stretch up. That's, that's the core. Um, so God has made you free so that you can't help but live with a willingness to go serve and represent God everywhere you go. Uh, so we've been set free, right? Here am I, send me, however that looks, with your friends, with your neighbors, with your uh, classmates, with your family, whatever it looks like.